the Clintons trailblazed the nuts and sluts defense. Yeah. And, and so there's a long history within politics of not only withstanding these types of charges, but aggressively going after the women who step forward. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. The Curtis Hill controversy continues. He's defiantly denying the allegations and now even going after one of his accusers. Today we've got team coverage with Gabby Gonzalez and Matt Smith. First, Gabby, who spoke with Governor Eric Holcomb. Governor Eric Holcomb praised the women who have come forward after they say they were inappropriately touched by Curtis Hill, but the governor stopped short of saying that Hill should be impeached or take a leave of absence during the investigation. A day after a third woman identifies herself as one of those accusing Attorney General Curtis Hill of groping her at a bar, Governor Eric Holcomb saying their words made the necessary action clear. Believing them and having my own standard that I made, and I made public uh, in March, I had no other option than to ask for his resignation. During his first interviews with the press since the allegations became public, Holcomb referred to his zero tolerance policy for sexual harassment. This has nothing to do with title uh, or position. It has to do with the same standard of being applied to all. Despite the governor's calls for Hill to step down, the attorney general has repeatedly said the women's claims are false and that he will not leave office. The allegations leading to a formal investigation by the inspector general. This is in the hands of the um, inspector general. That's where it should be. She'll complete her due diligence and, and uh, we'll look forward to her report and see what's next. As that investigation unfolds, there are mounting questions about Hill's statements regarding the accusers. He said there are inconsistencies in their accounts and that he has not been given due process. Indiana Democratic Party Chairman John Zodi delivered public information requests to the AG's office. He says they want to know whether state resources are being used to defend Hill. The Attorney General seems to be using his official office for his personal defense of his of his alleged conduct. And I did reach out to the Inspector General's office to get an update on this investigation. They said they can't comment at this time because the matter is ongoing. Now, as for a timeline as to when the investigation could wrap up, they say that's yet to be determined. From the State House, I'm Gabby Gonzalez. Back to you. All right. Meantime, a special prosecutor will be named as the Inspector General's investigation continues. But what about the legal process and the possibility of impeachment. Matt Smith has more. It is the special prosecutor who will decide ultimately whether any potential criminal charges are filed as this investigation by the inspector general is ongoing, but still a drumbeat among Republicans that Hill should resign. Appearing alone inside his state house office, Republican Attorney General Curtis Hill taking on his accusers and those calling for him to resign. These past several days have witnessed my name and reputation dragged through the gutter in ways I would have never imagined. Hill, who has called the accusations false, is accused by four women of inappropriately touching them at a bar filled with lawmakers and legislative staffers. I kind of just shut down. I couldn't move. The women have come forward, sharing what they say happened that night, including Gabrielle McLemore, a Democratic legislative staffer, and Democratic State Representative Mara Candelaria Reardon. Pressure immediately mounted on friend and foe 
to distance themselves from me and even ask for my resignation at the first available opportunity. Hill now faces an investigation by the Inspector General. He didn't provide his account of that night, but went after the media, the legislative investigation and report provided to top lawmakers last month that detailed the allegations. I was not afforded fairness in this investigation. I am now being called upon to resign by the governor and others. Charges need to be filed if, in fact, they confirm uh, what uh, all the reporting of that legislative investigation uh, have uh, indicated. Uh, these are uh, horrible uh, acts. Prosecutor Terry Curry removing himself from any potential case simply because, by law, the attorney general's office is representing him in two pending civil cases. Hill faces an investigation by the Indiana Inspector General, who will seek the assistance of the special prosecutor if needed. Officers investigating are conferring with us. You know, if they need a search warrant, you know, we'll write a search warrant, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the ultimate charging decision is our decision. Meantime, Indiana lawmakers could also try removing Hill from office. Democratic State Representative Ed Delaney is researching impeachment options where two-thirds of the House and Senate would need to vote to do so. This is very serious. I mean, it, it doesn't happen a lot. I mean, impeachment is not something to be lightly tossed out. But top Republicans, including Governor Eric Holcomb and House Speaker Brian Bosma, who have called on Hill to resign, have yet to say if they support impeachment. The governor um, believes the women that came forward and uh, his actions uh, violate the state's zero tolerance policy and that's why there are calls for his resignation. No comment on the new developments coming from the Marion County Prosecutor. Reporting downtown, I'm Matt Smith. Back to you. All right, Matt, thanks. It's a story we'll continue to follow. You can get the latest on our website. We'll also talk more about it later with our panel and on our In Focus podcast. Meantime, the other big story this week, the president nominating Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Now the focus turns to the Senate and red state Democrats like Indiana's Joe Donnelly, who I spoke with this week on the record. Will you vote to confirm Judge Brett Kavanaugh? And the answer is, I'm beginning all of the research that's necessary to make that decision. That um, Judge Kavanaugh obviously had a lot of decisions that he's been part of, and I want to go through those to get an idea of where he stands on issues. Additionally, he's done a lot of writing, and I want to read all of that. I, I voted for Judge Gorsuch last time because it became clear to me um, that he wasn't extreme one way or extreme the other. Um, and was within the parameters of what I think uh, a president uh, should do when picking a Supreme Court justice. And I'm working on the same process for this. There's really been a lot of talk about Roe versus Wade. Do you think a newly configured court might take up that abortion issue? And what do you want to see happen in that? You regard? know, I don't know um, whether they'll take up that decision or not. Uh, Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. Um, but I don't go into this with any litmus tests. I go into this to determine whether the judge has the ability, uh, the uh, intellectual capability to be on the Supreme Court, the moderation to be somebody who can bring us in a place where you bring the nation together as opposed to being one extreme or the other. A lot of people have said you're in a tough spot on this vote uh, because of uh, this midterm election. Your, your opponent, Mike Braun, said, I'm sure Senator Donnelly will eventually say he will vote for him because it's an election year, according to Braun. Does this midterm election factor into your decision in any way? Absolutely not. I mean, we made a decision, or I made a decision on Supreme Court justice previously. This is just a function of the job. I, I don't feel pressure. I feel incredibly privileged to have this chance that Hoosiers gave me the opportunity 
to look through this and try and make my best decision. But are you in a tough spot, though? Uh, do you risk losing uh, some voters on the left or some voters, conservative voters, if you vote one way or the other? That's the job. The job is to do what's right. Father Hesburgh, who was the president of Notre Dame when I was there, said um, about, about the decisions he made when running Notre Dame, I, I try not to do what's easy, I do what's right. And that's what I'm trying to do with the Supreme Court and with everything else I do in this job. Let's talk about this race for Senate. There's a new poll out this week showing you down two points to Mike Braun. Fundraising numbers are also out. Uh, you've got $5 million more cash on hand than your opponent, but he did outraise you here in this last quarter. How difficult will it be to win a race like this? Well, um, the poll you cited is an online poll. Um, we have our own polls, and we're ahead, and we're doing, we're doing well. Um, and in regards to fundraising numbers, um, we had our highest uh, amount raised ever, ever in a quarter. Um, over 93% of the contributions were for $50 or less. Um, the average contribution was $44. I'm running against a multimillionaire, but the people of Indiana are contributing. They have been incredibly generous. And as you mentioned, um, we have well over six million in the bank. And um, as far as I've always known, it's how much gas you have in the tank, um, as opposed to how much you bought at the station. On the world stage this week, there's a lot happening overseas, obviously, with the president's trip, uh, some tense moments with some American allies. He's meeting with Putin next week. And then just uh, Friday, we heard this news of 12 indictments of uh, Russian intelligence operatives in the Russia investigation. Do you think the president should still meet with Vladimir Putin next week in light of these indictments? Just well, I didn't think he should have met with him from the first. Um, the meeting was scheduled with NATO. That was the important meeting for us. Look, Russia has invaded Crimea. They have invaded Ukraine. Um, how can you meet with someone like that right now after they have invaded other countries, after they have refused to leave those countries, after they have threatened our current NATO friends? Um, what we need to do is continue to strengthen NATO every day. That's what NATO is about, and that's who our friends are. And we've always been together, and we need to strengthen that. All right. A lot happening around the world and here in Indiana. Senator Joe Donnelly, Thank thanks you very, for taking very much. some time Thank with you. us. We appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have more of that interview next week. We'll also talk next week with Republican Mike Braun. Coming up next this morning, we'll talk more about the president's meeting tomorrow with Vladimir Putin and the Russia rift that may be taking place among some lawmakers. See what one Indiana congressman is saying. But up next, we'll talk more with our panel about the Curtis Hill controversy and the latest back and forth with one of the accusers. Next. Welcome back. Let's bring in our panel now. Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens, two former state lawmakers, Democrat Christina Hale, Republican Mike Murphy, and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. More developments late in the week, guys, with Curtis Hill, the AG, uh, really going after one of the accusers, sending out an email draft uh, that she had sent to a friend who used to work for the AG's office to suggest this was, uh, in his words, some sort of coordinated effort. Uh, your thoughts about all this? You know, I was telling Tim before we, uh, we got here, and uh, I picked up three days' worth of the Indianapolis Star last week, and every single one of them, Curtis Hill was the top above the fold headline. On the last day, on Friday, he was all three of the headlines. The guy just doesn't know how to avoid bad publicity, and attacking an accuser not only is the wrong move, obviously, but also maybe a misappropriation of state resources to do something like that, which is really a personal action against an employee. 
he's a dead man walking. He just needs to go. The governor said Friday he just wants to leave this with the inspector general. Uh, where where should the governor be on this point? Now he's called for him to resign. Hill says he's I think, not going anywhere. I think the governor's done everything he can do right now. Um, again, as I said last week, I'm not a big fan of the inspector general's uh, professionalism, not her personally, but the office. But, but IMPD now is directly involved, which provides her with some manpower and should make the... Um, the investigation more efficient and maybe shorter term because they don't have to take an investigation and review it all over again. They'll be part of it. But, you know, to, to echo a little bit what Jennifer said, I think, I think Curtis Hill is like, he reminds me of the guy that's, you know, drowning in the pool and trying to blow up his own life preserver. Um, I think it's a no-win situation. It's an ugly situation any way you look at it. It is, and so many people were involved. And we have to remember, too, as they take steps to investigate, there were a lot of legislators, elected officials, and other very involved people, lobbyists, in that small bar um, that night on Sine Die. So I think some the investigation process will be interesting just because uh, so many uh, faces that we're familiar with are going to be part of it. Tim, your colleague, Suzette Hackney, wrote this week in the Indy Star, Curtis Hill should not use the office of attorney general to fight his personal battles. He certainly shouldn't use taxpayer dollars to uh, attack his accuser's integrity. She called him a, quote, disgrace to the office and to Indiana politics. And you also wrote about Hill this week saying, in Curtis Hill's world, everybody but Hill has it wrong. Those are strong words, but I think they're warranted. Uh, the, we don't, uh, personally, we don't have a lot of true scandals in Indiana government that, that come to light. This is a bad one. This is a really bad one. And Curtis Hill's done everything wrong after the new story broke. Um, he, he tried to portray himself on Monday at this uh, press conference, supposed press conference, tried to portray himself as the victim, uh, ignoring the four women who are the true victims. Uh, and then on Thursday to release uh, a, a press release from his office with the official Indiana Attorney General masthead, uh, attacking a young woman's integrity is, is beyond the pale. We should also point out the Attorney General at that press conference uh, on Monday did name one of our uh, regular panelists in that press conference as the person who was with him that night, Tony Samuel. Tony says he's been advised uh, not to talk at this point. We certainly hope to talk with him about all of this soon. Uh, also, talking about the politics uh, of all of this, it's something a lot of Indiana Republicans and Democrats have had to answer questions uh, about. Uh, Mike Braun answered a question about it uh, this week on WIBC. He was asked uh, whether he thought Curtis Hill should resign, and here is what uh, he said, a, a bit of a muddled response some have said. He drew some uh, criticism for his response to that question. He told WIBC, quote, I think to me that's a personal decision and he's decided to fight it. I think that's within his right. He went on to say he probably should, but on the other side, if he defends it, that's his right to do so. Not long after that, his campaign sent us a statement saying, the allegations are troubling and serious. I support the governor and leadership's calls uh, for his resignation. Difficult uh, question and, and, and certainly some criticism there uh, for Braun and the way he answered it. Sure, and the first thing that comes to mind too is Curtis Hill's predecessor in office, but another Republican, Attorney General Greg Zeller. He really fought for victims of this kind of assault and violence. He even opened um, a section within that department that was very victim-focused, 
regarding uh, human trafficking and other um, violations of this kind. He was very much an advocate for people and an encourager of victims to report these kinds of incidents and crimes. And I have to tell you, it's extremely relatable as well. How many people have been victim of a drunk creeper in a bar at a yeah. sporting event at a party? This happens. It's serious. It's a big deal, and it's time to take it seriously. So, so how should I, now a candidate like Braun handle a situation? Well, I think Braun is in the same boat that, frankly, all of us are. We know a sliver of the facts. We know the allegations. We believe, at least I believe, the women who've made the allegations. But I, that's why I have a lot of faith in Governor Holcomb, because the governor's office knows things we don't know. I mean, they have been getting calls all, <coughs> excuse me, all last week from women in Elkhart County saying, this is what Curtis Hill did to me. I haven't seen those. I haven't read you know, those transcripts or listened to the tapes. But the governor knows a lot more than we do, and he is very confident, even on Friday, saying, you know, I'm glad I, I called for the resignation. So I trust him. And, and many Indiana Republicans have. Absolutely. And Mike Braun, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of a rookie mistake. Kind of shows he's not used to politics. You make, you make that call into the governor's office or somebody, you check in, you say the right thing, so you look like you're on the same page. Latest poll in the race for Senate, by the way, does have Mike Braun with a two-point lead, 49-47, in a poll uh, from Axios and Survey, Survey Monkey. Uh, cause for concern for the Donnelly camp, Christina? Well, sure. Anytime you're upside down in a poll, you're thinking about it. But they continue to be active. There's a lot going on, and certainly with the Supreme Court choice coming up, um, you know, the stakes are very high on a number of fronts. So um, what I'm seeing, though, is Joe Donnelly just working as hard as ever. And he is in a dilemma on that Supreme Court choice, as you pointed he, out he, this week. He definitely is. Uh, if, if he votes against uh, Judge Kavanaugh in a, in, a, in a state that Donald Trump won by over 19 points. Uh, and, and many Hoosiers voted for Donald Trump for judicial nominations. This is a big issue, particularly among evangelical voters. If Donnelly crosses them, he's going to pay a price for that. At the same time, this is what makes it tricky, is that Democrats are very concerned about the move to the right of the judicial system. And if he votes for Kavanaugh, it, there's a, there's a question of risk losing Democrats. Of losing yeah. Democratic votes. Uh, obviously, Donnelly's uh, confirmation vote will be front and center in the coming weeks after the president nominated Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh spent some time with Vice President Pence this past week, who's reportedly here in Indiana this weekend. Pence also made some news this week. There was that AP report about his family's former business. But on this Kavanaugh question, he was asked whether he wants to see conservatives on the court overturn Roe v. Wade. Do you still want Roe v. Wade was to be overturned? On. Well, I, I do, but I, I, I haven't been nominated to the Supreme Court. President's answer there. So as we get set for this uh, confirmation process, a lot of talk has been about uh, Roe, but also a lot of talk about how senators like Joe Donnelly will handle this confirmation vote. We heard from him earlier. We also spoke this week with Senator Todd Young and Congressman Jim Banks. He's an originalist, someone who <coughs> wants to uh, apply the Constitution as written as opposed to um, as opposed to reading into it things that aren't there. Brett Kavanaugh is exactly the type of pick that I'd hoped for when I voted for President Trump uh, in November of 2016. Uh, this is the reason that, that so many Americans and Hoosiers voted for this president because they wanted to see good, strong Supreme Court picks. He's exactly the type of, of justice that we should have on the Supreme Court. So to his point there, uh, talking about voting for President Trump because of Supreme Court picks, is that 
sentiment going to carry for Republicans in the midterms here uh, when you have a president involved in other controversies? We saw everything that happened at NATO this week, but a lot of Republicans say it's because of these Supreme Court choices that they still stand by President Trump. I, I don't think the Republicans are going to have a, a major problem in the midterms. I think that, that uh, Kavanaugh will be confirmed at some point. Um, you know, Trump is Trump, and we've seen him do a lot of silly things. Some of them, you know, rank stupidly, quite frankly. But I think his, his choices of Supreme Court so far have been perfect. Kavanaugh get confirmed in the end, you think? I think he probably will. He's pretty much out of central casting, but he has not been through the confirmation process yet. And we don't know what we don't know. So I think, like Joe Donnelly, I'm going to sit and wait. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Coming up next, the president meeting tomorrow with Vladimir Putin with so many headlines and controversies surrounding his trip overseas this weekend. Some Indiana reaction coming up after the break. Germany is a captive of Russia. The president earlier this week calling Germany a, quote, captive of Russia. Some tense moments in Great Britain as well. Now we're just hours away from the president's summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin tomorrow in Finland. All of this causing a bit of a stir internationally and even here at home from Politico this week. President Trump sparks a, quote, Republican rift on Russia. Among those quoted in this article, Indiana Congressman Jim Banks, who, by the way, was just named chair of a new VA subcommittee. Banks told Politico, quote, Trump's rhetoric toward Russia and Putin has always been a concern to me. If he took the same posture toward Russia as he did today toward Germany, I'll sleep much better at night. Of course, a lot of attention tomorrow on that summit with Putin, especially after the indictments announced Friday in the Russia investigation, no doubt the world will be watching. Today, much of the world's focus on the World Cup. Later this morning, France and Croatia meet in the final. It's on Fox 59. In fact, the coverage starts coming up here at 10 a.m. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Stick around. All right, let's wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Tim, you're up first. Curtis Hill's not only the biggest loser this week, but the biggest loser of the year in Indiana politics. Christina. I'd have to add as new communications director, that was a questionable choice to go to work during these times. Also, our NATO allies who are flummoxed and worried. Mike, flummoxed, that's a cool word. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with only a winner this week, and it's Jim Banks for his appointment as a VA subcommittee chairman. This guy is an outstanding uh, congressman. We're going to see a lot of good things out of he's him. He's been very candid, too. Very candid. Year, yeah. My winner is Joe Donnelly, a heck of a fundraising haul, which he's going to need in a close race. And my loser, Curtis Hill. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week's show. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, talking a little bit more here on our uh, bonus content here on the podcast about, uh, about the whole Curtis Hill situation. And, and obviously Thursday, a lot of headlines uh, coming out of his statements, um, kind of trying to call into question some of the things uh, one of the accusers did in, in sending an email to a, a friend of hers who used to work for the attorney general's office. Raises a lot of questions, doesn't it, this situation? First off, uh, this friend was recently fired by the AG. Some have been wondering what happened there. Was there anything related to this situation or retribution? We don't know, but it raises a lot of questions. It, it, it? does, and it was strange um, to include that in the press release. That it was, you know, this email was sent to a friend who was fired. I mean, it's why would you include that? And, and they were essentially saying uh, she asked this friend to make any changes, what do you see here that you can strengthen, change, eliminate in terms of proofreading uh, her draft, trying to suggest perhaps this was a coordinated effort. We did look at uh, both copies. There were some 
grammatical changes, some sentences changed, but the crux of her story about what happened did not change. What do you guys make of this? The, the AG's office sending that out uh, in, in a press release. Oh, it seems wildly inappropriate. This is something that happened off the clock. It was something that is a product of Curtis Hill's personal life, not his professional life, at a bar. Um, and I think they just need to anchor back to best practices and honor and um, uh, keep his office out of it. What does this telegraph to other people that need to report that our attorney general now is pushing back on victims and attacking victims of assault that are just trying to report? Um, that is not a good scenario. And, and all of this escalated a, a bit more because all of the state agencies that send out press releases all of those press releases then get tweeted out by this official state government Twitter account that says Indiana government. It's a verified account. And, and that headline from that particular press release was then sent out by the quote unquote Indiana government. Uh, just a situation that, that seemed to get worse and worse on Thursday. Well, what happens is technology always uh, is ahead of best practices on how to deal with technology. I don't care if it's a private sector or in government. Maybe maybe it's worse in government. I don't know. And so you have a, 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 a case where a mistake was made. It's a kind of a technological mistake. It wasn't intentional by anybody. And now they know about it. Now they're going to have to fix it. And that's. I don't, and I don't think it goes much beyond that. No longer going to be sending out. Yeah. I don't think it goes much beyond that. It was unfortunate. Yeah. yeah it was but to go back to the the email from the young lady. You know, she learned a little bit of a lesson too. I mean, nobody's doubting her allegations. Nobody thinks that it distracts successfully from the allegations, right? But she did send an email to the, the attorney general's uh, box, you know, email box, and she'll just be more careful next time as anybody will, right? Look at who you're sending things to, who, Still yeah. who are you buying copy? exactly how that email yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, was then read maybe by I'm being the attorney general. Maybe I'm being picky, but, but you've got to be very careful who you're I mean, sending things out to. All three of us, not you, Tim, but we've worked for government. We've had government email addresses, and yes, yeah, she does need to probably be a little more careful next time. But I also consider, I mean, I do that stuff for friends all the time, you know, right? I write for a living. Mike, you write for a living. People send us stuff and say, hey, will you clean this up? Does it look okay? Sure. I think that's all this was. Did she send it from the wrong email or to the wrong email? Yeah, sure, but that's a huge distraction away from the fact that these are serious allegations, and you've got a man who's behaving like an unhinged human being. Every single day, this story gets worse, and he's actually kind of behaving like Donald Trump in attacking the accuser and um, you know coming out and, and having a press conference where he takes no questions. The weird thing about that is Donald Trump has a huge base of support behind him. He has people rallying to his defense and thinking that that's okay. Curtis Hill could literally look behind him and find his newly hired flack and pretty much nobody else. Not in his own party, probably not you know even in the state house. And, and he's behaving like he has this massive support for what he's doing and he looks like a clod because of it. Jennifer, that is a great point, and I would just like to add, too, as that relates to the investigation, where are the witnesses in support of Curtis Hill? This was a small bar jam-packed full of legislators, lobbyists, and staffers, Republicans and Democrats, and there are Republicans and Democrats who are victims. There were a lot of people around. Somebody should be able to say, hey, uh, um, no. But, this you, isn't make, right. but you make a good yeah. point, too, because this so called legal memo, not only was it inaccurate, it's already been proven to be inaccurate by, by uh, Representative Reardon, who said, 
um, it, it was inaccurate because she never made a formal statement to the investigators and they never checked the accuracy of that memo before they published it. So that sloppiness on the part of the TAF, on the TAF law firm, what, yeah, whatever word you want to use. But at the same time, a real investigation is now going to take place. They will be talking to not just those who were victims, but also to what I would call external witnesses, people in the bar. They'll be looking to see if there was videotape, any security cameras, all those kinds of things. I have complete faith in the IMPD, IMPD and I have complete faith in the governor. And, and there is at least one person who is expected to testify on Curtis Hill's behalf. Yes. Who said, who is saying that he did not observe what the women are saying happened. Yeah, but it doesn't, I mean, without being crude, it doesn't take long to be, to do something to somebody. And, and yes. that person could have turned, could have gone to the restroom, could have been distracted talking to somebody else. Who knows, right? Does Curtis Hill have, uh, a future in politics at this point. I mean, play this out. 2020, uh, the Attorney General, you would think state Republicans would nominate someone else at their convention if he, if he stays in office that long. That brings up two points. The first is, no, he has no future. I mean, I've, I've talked to a couple of former chiefs of staff, the Republican governors, and their course basically is his career is over. It's just a matter of when he realizes it. But it also exposes a, a pretty bad weakness in our own party, in the Republican Party. And we don't do a very good job of vetting people. I mean, if you listen to the allegers, if that's a word, there, you know, his history dates back to at least 1978 of this kind of behavior, okay? And I don't have any facts or details, but I just have, you know, anecdotes from people. So, so why didn't the Republican Party know about this history before they nominated him? In our party, we tend to give the nomination to the person who goes to the most Lincoln Day dinners. That's how we got Charlie White, another major mistake on our behalf. Now, that's two people out of thousands of good Republican office holders, right? But we need to do a better job of vetting our major candidates. Yes, but we also have Republicans and Democrats that are currently elected officials that have similar reputations that date back to, yeah. you know, for years as well. Well, and here, I mean, don't beat yourself up too much, Mike. I mean, look, we, we had Anthony Weiner. I mean, look, there's no way to <laughs> defend for this. I mean, this is a bipartisan thing. You were talking about Donald and, Trump, and, and, and I, I'm flashing back no to politics. the 90s where, where the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary, spent a decade going hard after, after. The, the women yeah, who yeah. accused him. I mean, the, the Clintons trailblazed the nuts and sluts defense. Yeah. And, and so there's a long history within politics of not only withstanding these types of charges, but aggressively going after the women who step forward. Yeah, and thank yeah. God we're in a different environment now, and that doesn't happen because people actually give some level of credence to the accusations before saying, oh, well, she's just power hungry. She's just this. She's just whatever. So I'm thankful we're in a different environment. And I'm glad you said that because it reminds me of uh, Dwayne Brown and Jack Crawford. Oh, yeah. I mean, both yep. guys who shot themselves in the feet. In the toe. In, Dwayne, in, toes, in, the toe. in Dwayne's yep. case, yep. the toes. So you mentioned Donald Trump. And as we were talking about Hill and a future in politics, he is someone who in the past few months before all of this happened had been rumored to be somebody the administration might look at in the future. They did just bring on Bill Shine, uh, who, of course, while not uh, suspected or accused of harassing women himself, uh, did have a, a, a lot of scrutiny for what happened with Roger Ailes uh, at Fox News. Uh, does he have 
any chance of, of one day doing something at, in this Trump administration. Well, I, an attitude I found really interesting. Some have suggested yeah, that this week. bubbled up from Gary Varble's mm -hmm. column where you know he said, I've become a Trump convert. Mm -hmm. I wasn't at the beginning. And he addresses the issue of our president's behavior toward women and, mm -hmm. and um, expressed attitudes towards women. And he said, you know, because I'm a conservative Christian, that's where I turn to prayer and I pray for him in this regard. And, you know, I talk to a lot of young girls and children, you know, every week I'm talking to young people and they are worried because this behavior happens all the time. And if we have adults in positional authority, like our president, like an attorney general, like fill in the blank for all of these names we've just mentioned, that's really a depressing uh, that's depressing reporting and it's depressing just, you know, am I going to be believed? Am I going to have to have this blown up on the news if I tell my story? And and we've got to cut out this behavior. It's, it's yeah, a well, plague. It's interesting in politics you can get away with this much more easily than you can in most of in other... Yeah. Right, so, I mean, after last year and the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein scandal, you, you saw a lot of men uh, in many different walks of life whose careers were ended when people came forward. But in politics, in particular if you're in elected office, you can dig in and withstand these types of things that you can't in other areas. At very um, least until the next election. Yeah. This is just a sliver of time. Women have not even been in the workforce in volume for really all that long relative to human history, you know, and certainly in the industrial age. So. Um, I think we still need to see how this plays out because for the people that did lose their jobs, and we have seen mm -hmm. some prominent Matt faces Lauer, lose their jobs, yeah. Matt Lauer, right. fill in the blank, there are yeah, those people. Right. How many are still in place and have never, I mean, the volume of this happens, I said earlier, you know, how many, how many women do we know, and I guarantee we all know women that have had creeper, behavior that they've had to deal with and just shut up and take but it. But you also, you also have to have balance. You have to have some attempt to find the truth. You can't just throw somebody out of their career because of an allegation. True. I agree. True. Look, at, True, look at the Duke lacrosse team. Was a right. but, but, if Curtis Hill, that, but if right? Curtis Hill had worked at a, a company, right? I don't want to name any company names, yeah. but right, a, a, a major, a Fortune 500 company right now, he at very least would be suspended. He would no longer be in a supervisory I agree role. That. Yeah. I, agree. Yeah. I mean, there, there would have been steps put in place. He might very well have been fired by this point, but certainly there would have been disciplinary measures uh, that would have taken place by now. And in because he's in government, he's protected. Well, and, but that's not always because of company culture, because they want to do the right thing. They're well, also thinking, I, I, a lot of times it's for liability. Absolutely, you may, absolutely. Wanna, you may yeah. be right, but at least, but at least yeah. there's, there are actions taken and... Um, Usually. It, so, I mean, right now, right now, um, he is the supervisor in that office. Yeah. No, I agree. And the other thing that companies have working for them is they have the right to protect their brand, which mm -hmm. is everything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, look at the John Schnatter, Papa John's Papa controversy John's. Yeah. Yeah. this right. past yeah. week. Yeah. Right. Now, he was actually on a phone call, supposedly learning from consultants on how not to make mistakes, <laughs> which, and, and which, which, which yeah. doubles the irony of what he said, right? right. So, so companies have more power to do mm -hmm. what they do than government does because he is independently elected and uh, it's, it's all sad. And I do think though, Tim, that uh, you've made a strong case while there have been a couple of instances over the last year of women in power doing things like this, 
you've made a strong case to elect more women to public office because mm -hmm. we, by yes. and large, don't tend to do these things. Right. What about the impeachment process? Is that something that could actually happen? Is there any, is there any real chance of seeing that in the Indiana legislature if Hill continues to remain I defiant? I think there's a, there's a chance of a threat. I think that's one of the last, last ditch things that Bosma and Long do and they say, they go to him and say, we're gonna impeach you. Now if you look at Article 6, there's two ways to do it. One is to, uh, to impeach and, and then take the trial of the Senate, kind of the classic kind of federal model. Right. It doesn't say how many votes, so you have to assume a majority in those cases, just a simple majority. And then there's the, uh, the resolution that has to be voted on affirmatively by two-thirds of both, uh, both chambers. So I, I, that'd be very expensive. Um, it would take a special session, all that. I think they threaten that and then see if they can get him to uh, resign. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that he will not face criminal charges. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a high bar. Um, and if he doesn't face criminal charges, what are the grounds for impeachment? Well, there's the, the words are, are crime. There's three words. Crime, incapacity, and negligence. Negligence is a pretty broad word. Yeah. I also think there's a chance that, you know, we talked about this before the show. What brought Al Capone and all those mobsters down? It wasn't actually the act of killing people. It was usually tax evasion or mail fraud. And while we're focused on this, and it is obviously the story of the day, there are lots of questions about the way he renovated his office, or even, you know, last week, the way he used state resources to respond to these allegations. You know, it could be a very small thing that brings Curtis Hill down. And quite honestly, as long as it happens, I think everybody's going to be real happy. Well, we will see what happens next. It's a story, uh, of course, we'll continue to follow here on In Focus. We'll have much more for you right here next week. Thanks, guys.